welcome to Playful Joy, a parenting podcast without the guilt. My name is Charlene Nicole, and I've been a teacher for more than 10 years. I have two children of my own, and I've been working with children since I began babysitting around the age of 13. Um, I've also worked with children with special needs in daycares, preschools, and uh, one very special foster home. I wanted to start this podcast because I wanted to rediscover the joy of parenting and being with my children again, and just share funny stories to make you laugh. I want to help dispel the myths of perfection we see on social media and remove shame and blame from this parenting game. My goal is to help you feel that you're not the only one who feels like you don't know what you're doing. You're not the only one who's wondering how life with children isn't what you thought it would be. This podcast gives helpful tips, tricks, and advice to help you with whatever life with kids throws your way. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you love it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm with Angus Wilson, who is the superintendent of schools in the Mission School District, where um, I work and my children go to school. And we're here today to talk about the restart of school. Thank you so much for being here, Angus. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, no problem. Um, I wanted to tell a little story, which I haven't told you yet, but it was the first time that I met you in my work as a teacher in the district, and I was filling in for a kindergarten teacher, and it was the Remembrance Day um, ceremony. And I won't say which school, but it was a very big deal, and it was very proper, and everyone was uh, told to be on their best behavior. (laughs) And you came in, sat down close to the class that I was working with and at your feet was the wiggliest, largest, silliest student I've ever taught in kindergarten and I think, I don't think I've ever sweat so much in my life and I've met you since and I realize now that you wouldn't have thought anything of it but I, I, oh, it was the worst. I'd probably be the second wiggliest (laughs) in the kindergarten class and in fairness I have actually worked in kindergarten classrooms and um, I I know what they can be like. Oh my goodness. They, to their, they were pretty good to their credit. They were, they were kindergartners but yeah, (laughs) so... Um, so the reason we're here, what, what made me think to do this was the town hall meeting that I watched um, with the Minister of Education, and I just found it very long, and I, sh- I shared with you, I said to my husband, you want to come watch it? We're making this decision together. We're both parents of this grade three student. Let's do this together. <laughs> he just could not stay awake. And it's not interesting to him, child development and sure. education. That's my thing. So uh, not to put him down, but it was too long. No. There was too much politics and it was too boring. So <laughs> my idea was to kind of boil it down, um, talk about what I've been hearing from my friends and colleagues and just kind of dispel some of the myths and hopefully calm some fears. That's my that's my hope. And So we're not going to talk about the lizard people and Bill Gates? You know? <laughs> no. Yeah. Not today, but maybe okay, another. Maybe po- that's sure. another yeah, podcast okay. altogether. <laughs> so the first uh, sort of most question I'm hearing, and um, interestingly, it's from the same people who said when school was closed, what? Students are going to be so far behind. Students have to go to school. They can't not go to school, and especially um, the older generation, so sure. the grandparents and the grandparents-in-law. Um, and now they're saying... Why now? What's the point? It's June. They don't do anything in June anyways. Right. Yeah. And I kind of, well, it's so frustrating. So you can't have it both ways. You can't tell me that my child has to be in school and then try to send them assignments on the side and then also say to me, why now? Why are you bothering? I just don't think that's fair. 
what would you say to parents who are saying, why now? Yeah, absolutely, and, I, and I'll, I'll be perfectly honest, from an operational standpoint, as a guy who's been working some pretty long days, there's part of me that would be pretty okay if we just kept everything closed and could kind of just coast <laughs> through the end of June. I'll, I'll be honest about that. But yeah. um, I, even though we're, we're saying we're moving away from politics, I actually want to bring politics into it for a moment. The current mm -hmm. government um, has been pretty clear that they have what they would refer to as an equity lens, mm -hmm. that they want uh, children to have access to education. And the first part of this is when we uh, kind of closed down the schools, uh, was learning, having to confront how many of our families do not have access to technology. Mm -hmm. We've handed out hundreds of laptops um, and um, dozens of uh, low-cost Wi-Fi connector bundles from private providers, but you know, they, they give us the code, we give it to the parent, and away yeah. we go. Wow. Um, so that's sort of confronting that not all of us are, you know, upper-middle-class bourgeoisie. And, yeah. um, and that other people have different realities and they, mm -hmm. they can't work um, or they have to work mm -hmm. and all those kinds of needs and so on they have and so what the the government and the Ministry of Education has said is schools are now going to be open you do not have to come you right. can stay home mm -hmm. um, but we are going to be providing instruction and educational support at schools the other part of it is and this goes back to the original thing of but we're gonna fall so far behind right don't worry the whole planet is falling behind together yeah and you know honestly yeah it is June and no matter what we do it's still going to be June <laughs> so um, a lot of what's going to happen in schools is support maybe a little bit of catch-up and um, some reinforcement but we all mm -hmm. know that next year mm -hmm. and the year after that there's going to be some mitigation of damage if you yeah. will of the lost education of this year particularly when you think about kindergarten through grade two right at, at all grade levels for sure. at all at grade levels yeah I I really enjoy and appreciate um, the parents and people who've been saying that's what teachers do that's that's our job we assess students when they come in and we'll do the same thing in September and knowing that everyone is going to be that far behind is is somewhat reassuring I guess in a certain way that we're, we're all going through this yeah. together uh, absolutely and actually I didn't I mean some teachers are specialist uh, distributed learning teachers but most mm -hmm. teachers aren't we're used to running around inside a classroom and jumping up and down and doing whatever our thing is it doesn't matter whether it's kindergarten or grade 12 mm -hmm. and a lot of that is on the spur of the moment is assessing kids watching right. oh, Johnny's having trouble with this or Sally looks like she's kind of staring out the window and so on and once we moved to this online environment all of that literally went out the window so right. um, there's going to yeah. be a lot of assessment reassessment and catch up mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and teachers do different kinds of assessment it's not just for report cards it's we assess where your child is so that we can teach them that's assessment for learning yeah, yeah exactly. definitely it's ongoing it's, it's ongoing. always yeah. um, I think it's 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 prudent to also say that we know more now about this virus so I think the reason that Dr. Bonnie Henry's doing it now is the new research that's come out which you wonderfully <laughs> sent to teachers and I appreciated that so much because I didn't know where to find it yeah. but I thought Carrie McDougall's quote of, unlike the flu, she's from Fraser Health, sorry everyone. Um, unlike the flu, COVID-19 transmission in children in schools is quite rare and children are not the primary drivers of COVID-19 in schools or the community. So that new fresh research that we have is a driving factor too. Yeah, and I, I just oh, sort of step back a little bit from it because it is interesting. We live in a very politicized era and people sort of want to believe what they want to believe right. no matter what you know fact 
is in front of their face and so mm-hmm. on. And I've certainly encountered it with some people, and and it's driven by fear. And yeah. you know, we've had fifty or more years now of complete stability in our society. I mean, mm-hmm. my my father recently passed away, but you know, he was bombed by the Luftwaffe, and that kind of thing. You know, that's not anything any of us are used to. It's just, yeah. gosh, I only have twelve TV channels. Or <laughs> um, and so, just on that, I found that for me anyway um, being open and honest with people and saying this is the information as we have it now Mm -hmm. these are the decisions we're making because of this information and as it changes then we'll change with it and I know we're all pretty happy with our uh, provincial health officer and I just want to say another Mm -hmm. thing is how well her and the Minister of Health have worked together where he answers the sort of political and vision questions, and she answers the scientific and factual ones. Yes. Which would be sort of the opposite of what we're seeing south of the border, for mm-hmm. example. And so mm-hmm. I think that's helped people be sort of uh, reassure people that we're, we're right. trying to be on the right path with things. Yes. Sure. I think, yeah, you can tell that she doesn't make decisions quickly and that she's not swayed by anyone else. And that is comforting to me, um, anyways, if no one else. And then... The other question I had, uh, which also feels kind of funny, it feels kind of like when you're a teenager and you want to go to a party and you're like, but but Sally's allowed to stay out till 11, so why do I have to come home at 10? And their comment is, other provinces aren't going back. Absolutely. And I mean, uh, somebody said, how come the only province we're following is Quebec? That never Mm -hmm. happens. And I mean, it's an absolutely (laughs) fair point. And um, I think that um, Mm -hmm. what what the province of British Columbia has done, in a sense, is... Um, we're, we're happy to be part of Canada for many obvious reasons, but they mm-hmm. sort of separated themselves from the country as a whole and looked at, okay, imagine us in a sense as our own island, our own country. And, you know, we're comparable in size, a little bit bigger than New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And New Zealand and all of Australia, particularly New South Wales, um, some other communities like Denmark, they've already started down this path. And so the modeling was based on those countries mm-hmm. rather than um, the east coast of United States or Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, the other close parallel, in a sense, would be Washington State, but um, all those places have been hit harder by COVID than yeah. we have. Yeah. Um, you know, when you look at our numbers of cases in a day, currently are running between sort of 15, 12, to those kinds of numbers, and I mean, that would be a dream in these other communities. So mm-hmm. that's true. what they're following off of. Yeah. And again, I say as a lazy operational guy, hey, I'm, I'm fine if we you know, just stay closed, but the numbers are the numbers. And yeah. um, from Dr. Henry and Dr. Corneal's sort of clinical point of view, mm-hmm. the numbers are okay. We can go back and, you know, the research is showing that children are not vectors in a significant way. Right. And that's their job. They look at the numbers and then they make public health decisions. That's what they do all the time. Um I did some math, so I have to do a little bit of a brag. (laughs) No, I did it right. Um, Ontario had 2,000 cases over the last five days. That was set in the town hall, so that was three days ago, and this will be published whenever. But just in the last five days, Ontario had 2,000 cases, and BC had 60 in the same time frame. So while we can't... um, we can't compare those numbers as they are because of the difference of population, which I can just hear people saying, but Ontario has this many people. So if the populations were equal, mm-hmm. BC would still only have 160 cases to Ontario's 2,000. So just to put it in perspective, that's what we're looking at. And that's exactly to your point that they had that earlier spring break. They didn't have travel restrictions. It It's hit them harder. We are not in the same place and we can't compare. It's absolutely true, and, and that's why I think the government was looking more closely at places like Australia and New Zealand as, as yeah. closer parallels 
than uh, you know even Washington State. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, New York and uh, Ontario and Quebec are all right next to each other. Yeah, and there's a lot of implications to that. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that the people in Ontario have, have been making the right decisions for, for Ontario. Agreed. Um, and yeah, British Columbia is in a somewhat different. A different boat mm-hmm. and you know you'll never make everyone happy some people will be unhappy if we sort of ever open again and mm-hmm. other people uh will be unhappy if we uh stay right. closed one more minute true yeah um i think it brings us to the stages too ah, yes. okay. right um i think that people just can't wrap their head around why for two months i can't hug my mom but now i can send my child to school right. and i think part of it is that I'll just bring it back to a personal place for for me I would like my child to go to school now Mm -hmm. and see this stage so that they don't wait over summer it's summer it's normal that's normal for them and then maybe September will be back full-time quote-unquote normal regular full-time school and then that is snatched away from them because of a second wave whether or not that happens we don't know But my idea for myself and a child um, for whom it took a long time to make school a safe place, Mm -hmm. I kind of want them to see this part of it. And since the risk for me and my family is low, that's the decision. But can you speak to that um, idea the ministry has of dialing it down and dialing it back? Absolutely. So um, there are five stages. Um, uh, Five is basically the only schooling that is happening is online. Um, that's what happened at spring break. Mm-hmm. Um, stage four is what we have been in for the last two months or 10,000 years, depending on what's the point of view on it. And that is mostly online, but there are some students in schools for a variety of reasons, whether it's mm-hmm. childcare or some instruction and support for vulnerable students. Stage three is where we're moving to in uh, just about a week or so from uh, when I'm making this recording. And that is um, effectively elementary schools open with 50% of the kids allowed in at any given time. In this district, that's Monday, Tuesday with one group and Thursday, Friday with another group. Um, And then middle and secondary aged uh, kids um, basically still continuing to work online, but with opportunities at their building, whether that's a course offering or uh, a drop-in day, depends on the school and the school district. Mm -hmm. Um, Stage two, which we're not going to currently, but that's um, basically full regular elementary school and then basically half time in school for um, secondary kids Mm -hmm. and then uh, stage one is quote-unquote as you said normal Mm -hmm. good old-fashioned school (laughs) Um, and the view from the ministry is that the reality check for everyone is that COVID's going to be with us for a while. Mm-hmm. If we all knew that as of, I don't know, June 15th, it was just going to disappear, mm-hmm. then let's stay closed till June 16th. How about that? Right. And go from there. Yeah. But the reality is that's not the case, and mm-hmm. it's going to go on and on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we will probably start in stage one for September, and then sometime in October or November, they might go, oh, oh, cases are going up. We're going to have to go down to stage two or stage four or whatever it is. Right. And, you know, when we went through this process um, this spring break and then again now, it's taken three weeks to go from one stage to another. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got to get our buses ready and and do all the things we need to do. Um, And in the future, they want us to, you know, basically send us a memo one week and say, next Monday, we're now on stage two. Mm -hmm. And just, as you say, turn the the dial and Mm -hmm. um, that's where we'll we'll be. Um, And we have to be... Uh, flexible and adaptable mm-hmm. in a way that we've never done in 
you know, a hundred years. Right. Right. We, none of us have ever had to move through this, and I, I think it's important for people to realize that there's. There's the physical aspect of moving from stage to stage. There's also the emotional aspect of it. So we're all, as teachers, we're moving, you know, from in class, I'm there with my students to completely online, and now we're asked to go back. And so there's a lot of emotion that comes with that. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of everything. You were mentioning about your own child, but also Mm -hmm. yourself and other uh, teachers and so on, is this this process of sort of abandonment of your room and your Mm. safe space and then coming back to it and the unknown and... Uh, for people's mental health, it's good to go, you know, sort of see their classrooms and so on. We had yeah. uh, Cherry Hill Elementary did a, uh, a drive-in a few weeks ago mm-hmm. where people came and parked their cars and watched the sort of Cherry Hill movie on the side of a, a truck on the side of the building. Wow. And teachers who hadn't been back and, you know, a month and a half were there in tears because, yeah. of course, this is them reconnecting. And mm-hmm. as educators, we're all about relationships. And, yeah. And that's sort of been gone. And right. um, I also think sadly about um, universities and so on that are starting new classes yeah. completely online and there's no relationship between the students and the and the professor and so mm-hmm. on yeah there's lots of evidence yeah. to show that that relationship helps learning and that Absolutely. it's it's major part of the learning environment um, and I think it's just huge I I visualize my child going to see their teacher and hearing and like looking them in the eye and hearing I miss you so much like she she says it on zoom it's not the same, and I think that we underestimate the impact of our children making re- and building and keeping relationships outside of our family unit. Yeah. We'd like to think that we're enough, and I, I just don't think that's the case. I think that that's a really big part of confidence building for children. Yeah, and I just I'd go further with that. Um, I have a daughter in grade nine, not in this district, um, <laughs> and she, um, she's like me. She's sort of a humanities person mm-hmm. um, and struggles in math. And um, but in the online world, her math teacher has been exemplary at doing things and providing the information in such a way that has helped support her learning. Hmm. But meanwhile, you know, she's had a wonderful relationship with her humanities teachers, but they have struggled more with the online format right. and how to deliver the information in a way that isn't sort of mind-boggling. And she's yeah. looking really forward to seeing them again in the flesh because mm-hmm. that's how they connected with her and could mm-hmm. you know, teach her stuff. Yeah, to hit kind of hit home, make it make it count. Yeah, that's we did a parade at the school that I'm mostly at this year, and I I definitely was crying, seeing them just an arm's reach away, and I it I don't even have a full time classroom this year, so it was surprising the amount of emotion with moving from stage to stage. I think is going to surprise people. So, in my opinion, the more we do it, the easier it will it will get. I think that's absolutely. Yeah. I think that's part of the philosophy official or unofficially of this. I agree. I agree. Um, I have one or two more questions for you. Um, A mother of a grade one and grade three student um, asks, what is the opportunity versus cost for children themselves since virtual learning will continue? So it's a good question. A few Mm -hmm. different answers to that. First of all, the the online component is unfortunately going to have to reduce because Mm -hmm. I can't ask the teachers to do two or three jobs all at once. Yeah. So the reality is about 80% of what they're going to be doing is going to be sort of dedicated towards the in-class students rather than the online environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uncomfortable talking about it in terms of this is sort of feels like the I'm falling behind kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the reality there is that that's where there's going to be those, in, those engagements. Um, and the other part is the, uh, the, uh, the other positive thing of going to the school is that reconnection and so on. And I mm-hmm. especially think about, say, a child in grade six, you know, this is 
in our system, that's the move to middle school for grade seven. And so right. having closure at your school and then, um, you know, we're going to go for a visit over to Heritage Park or Hatsik or whatever and check mm -hmm. it out. I really hope that those kinds of almost ceremonial aspects, you know, happen uh, for kids. Um, yeah. The the part though, the, the negative part in a sense is a sort of trauma that um, in a kind of variant on you can never go home is your mm -hmm. school isn't going to feel exactly like it was before because right. now there's only eight kids in your classroom instead of 20. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we're currently not allowed to play with the musical instruments mm -hmm. or, um, you know, playground equipment, those those kinds of things. And right. that's a hard thing for people to um, come back to and understand that things have changed at least for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're young, that stuff can feel very permanent. You know, when right. I say, well, it's just another two months, um, you know, for us old people, it doesn't seem so bad. But no, two months when you're nine years old, man, that's a chunk of your life. Right? Yeah, so, that's a long, um, it's been a long time. And, and I think that whether or not students are going back to school, we need to recognize that for children and for adults, maybe even more so for adults, this is trauma, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. This is nothing any of us have experienced in our lifetime. Right. Um, I, you know, I have a couple of colleagues that were going to retire last year and now they're in the why didn't I retire last year? Because this is hard. Um, and it's it's tough to go through all this. And it, yeah. everyone's tired and mm -hmm. you know grumpy and sad and all those sorts of things. So True. that's definitely a, a cost in all of this. Right. And my, um, my answer to her was also, it, like everything in parenting, like this is a parenting podcast, you weigh the risks and the benefits, yep. and then you make the choice that is best for your family. So in no way is anyone stating that everyone must send their children back to school. It, it is a choice at this time. But like you said, the virtual learning is going to be um, not not as much, I guess. Yeah, there won't be, be as, as much it, provided. It, it won't be as robust. And one other mm -hmm. thing I, I would say is that this era, we seem to be very judgy. And um, we don't know everyone else's stories and why mm -hmm. they are insisting on either going to or refusing to go to school. Right. There are lots of good reasons, and even the not so good reasons are still good reasons because they're your reasons. Yeah. Um, so it's okay, and I, I hope people aren't judging their neighbors. I can't believe you're sending your child to school this time, or I can't believe you're not sending your child to school. Right. It's okay to do either right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I agree. Could you share the story about the immune compromised yeah, student? Yeah, absolutely. That was I, a great um, one. I have a I have a class I run with teachers uh, on uh, once a month on Thursdays, and I had my group yesterday. And a teacher was telling me about they were connecting with parents and you know how mm -hmm. things are going, and you know are you going to send your kids back? And quite surprised to find a, a mom with several, uh, with three children, two of which are have significant health issues, autoimmune issues, is sending um, her children back to school. And the teacher is sort of surprised by this and said, Wait, "Are are you sure?" Mm -hmm. And she said, "Yeah, absolutely." First off, this is the cleanest the schools have ever been. <laughs> um, it's every, true. It's everybody true. is washing their hands and keeping their distance from other people and not running around and doing things that are inappropriate. Mm -hmm. And um, the fear that everyone else is experiencing has been my life since these children arrived in, in my world. And, you know, welcome yeah. to my life. So this yeah. is this is as good as ever been for us in a sense. Other people are being respectful of our space the way we wish they always were. Right. So. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty powerful if you think about it that way. Just kind of flip the perspective. Absolutely. And yeah, it flipped my. I was wow. I hadn't yeah. thought about it at all. It's no, me either. And I think that's yeah, that's very poignant. Um, the May nineteenth update. I think um, we should talk about which is if someone has a child in their home with flu-like symptoms, yeah. they are not to come to school. Please stay home. Correct. And okay. Yeah, and I just a couple of things here. The um, Broadly speaking, you know, we're going to welcome people back to school and so on, but mm -hmm. 
Um, if someone is sick, if someone has the symptoms that appear to be an illness, please just stay home. And this is really for everyone's kind of nerves and so on. And I have mm -hmm. to tell you, um, as much as I can tell every, everyone everything's fine, you know, for a lot of our staff and the other kids and so on, this is going to be nerve-wracking going back right. to school. Everyone, we've spent the last two months learning about how scary a virus mm -hmm. is, and now we're going back to work. And if somebody shows up and is coughing and barking all over the place, that's that's not going to uh, do well for the community feeling safe and so on. So mm -hmm. if somebody's sick, you're not a hero by going to work. Right. Stay home. Yeah, as much for everyone's physical health as for their mental uh, exactly. health. Exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a great point. Um, the last question I have is about kindergarten. So everyone is talking about how do we keep young children from getting too close? How do we stop them from sneezing on us? And um, as a kindergarten's my favorite. So um, as a kindergarten teacher, yes, I think that that is going to be difficult. But I, I mean, tell me if you agree with this. I think that all we do is we teach them hand washing and distancing and not touching each other as much as possible well, not touching each other at all, the way that when they come in in September, we teach them that at school we don't hit. At you know, isn't it just... I, I would I would have to submit a couple of things. First of all, yeah. when I heard about all this in the first place, I went, you know what, it's actually easier to do this with kindergarten than with grade 11s. Oh. <laughs> grade 11s are especially <laughs> interested in exchanging bodily fluids. Yeah, that's, that's a good else. point. <laughs> um, I, 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 you're exactly right that a lot of the purpose of kindergarten, in essence, is socialization. Mm -hmm. it, it, and you know that joke, everything you need to know you learned from kindergarten. It's true. Be nice to other people, don't hit them, wash your hands, yeah. be clean. These are all the most important life lessons. They, they come ahead of everything else. And yeah. it's just been re-emphasized by COVID-19. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, the kindergarten kids uh, are having to learn the lessons they were supposed to learn anyway about washing hands and so on. Mm -hmm. And just from a scientific point of view, again, you know, the evidence is that um, transmission by young children is very, very unlikely. Mm -hmm. It does happen, I guess, but it's pretty unusual. Um, so there's less risk and danger there anyway. And again, for part of school is preparing you for life. And right. in this day and age, part of preparing you for life is washing your hands and uh, keeping your distance from other people. Yeah, this, and again, not to say it over and over but this virus isn't going anywhere it's not going to end um, I'm going to share this with the listeners and I'll just show it to you now it's from the study from Australia oh, and yeah. it shows um, when a student has a case of COVID-19 and then how many children they are in close contact with yeah. and then how many secondary cases there are and there was 10 schools right. and the graphic speaks for itself yeah it, it's it's it, it's all, almost minuscule yeah um, Right. So of 10 schools, there was only one yeah. child who transmitted to another child. Yeah. So, I mean, I will post those things on um, in the episode notes so that everyone can get the information. But I think that's the general um, statement is do what's best for your family. Be informed. Make an informed decision and take care of the people closest to you. And wash your hands. And wash your hands. <laughs> How did I forget that? Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate this. Um, I hope that it helps everyone. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and uh, good luck. Thank you. Thanks. I have a couple of updates since the episode was recorded, which was yesterday. And Ang as Angus said, this is the information as we have it now because it is changing so rapidly during this pandemic. In the episode, Angus said that playground equipment will not be able to be used by the children. And he 
yesterday sent a memo to all the parents in the school district and said that playground equipment will not be open. He sent that at 3.30 on Friday and then at 7.06 on Friday after we had recorded, he found out that it's likely that playground equipment will be open. So sometime in June, students will be able to play um, on all the equipment um, at the schools. So that's good news. And um, it sounds like the city is going to be opening up their playgrounds as well. If you choose to keep your children home um, during the school's reopening, the amount of online learning will likely be reduced. So staff, teachers, and all school staff will be in the schools four days a week. Online learning will be one day a week. And so that doesn't leave time for teachers to plan um, the significant amount of online learning that they've been doing now in my experience with my own child, I should say, um, it's been a lot of work has gone into that. So it doesn't seem like if you choose to keep your children home that you will get the same amount of work for them that you're getting now. I don't know what that will look like in every district. I don't even know what it will look like in mission. If you choose to keep your child home, how much um, work you will be given for them by their teacher. So, um, that continues to change. An exciting update is daytime custodial staff has been hired for the mission school district. So there will be a custodian during the day, as well as the custodians that they always have um, in the afternoon and evenings. So that's some updated information. And I'm sure by the time this episode is out to the public, some more things will have changed. So keep up with it. Um, and talk to your local school district, because that's where the most updated information for you will be found. The infographic that I spoke about with Angus will be on Instagram and I will put a link to the studies that we mentioned and all the things that I have found helpful in the show notes and also on my website. You can find um, Angus on Twitter at A-N-G-U-S-S-D-75 and you can find me on Instagram at Playful Joy Podcast. That's my favorite place to be and interact um, with this great um, community of parents. Thank you all so much for your questions. I really enjoyed getting them, responding to you, and asking them in this um, episode. You can find me on Facebook under Charlene Nicole. And if you have any feedback about this episode, if you would like a follow up as things progress, please email me any and everything you have to say at sh- um, you can email me. It's Charlene at playfuljoyparenting.com. And one last thing, here's a recording from my four-year-old. I hope it brings a smile. I I love my mommy. I love my mommy so much. She snuggles me every day, kind of, but I love her so much. I wish she could stay me with all the time, but she can. But she can right now because of the coronavirus.